The passage I want us to reflect on this morning as we're going into our Christmas message, it doesn't initially seem like a Christmas passage. Of course it comes from the book of Luke, because that's all I ever preach these days, but it doesn't immediately look like a Christmas passage, but I hope you'll see in the next half hour or so that it is as Christmassy as it gets. Here's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 6. Oh, and this is titled, entitled Reindeer Games, and it's based on Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, as well as, as uh, the story of the crippled lamb, as you'll see here in a little bit. But Jesus said this, Then he looked up at his disciples and said, Blessed are you who are poor. Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who are hungry now, for you will be filled. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. (laughs) Blessed are you when people hate you, when you're a Rudolph, when they exclude you, you're not included in the reindeer games. Blessed are you when they revile and defame you on account of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day, even when times are really bad, and leap for joy. For surely your reward is great in heaven. Amen. We're first going to hear a story from Mary Van Sickle, and uh, we invite the kids at this time. If you're 12 or younger, come on up here. We're going to try to fit you all here on stage. Come up here. We're going to have story time for kids 12 and under. Actually, it's for all of us, but the kids can come up here. Come on up on on stage. Come on. Can can I come up here? The youth. No, you, you, we, we, have, we have to limit stage, uh, stage space. So I've got some adults here saying, can we come oh, up? They just want the presents afterwards. My little kids who are my big kids. If you sit, come on if you sit up. really good, we've got Christmas presents for you. <laughs> come on up. At the bottom of this. I am going to read a story. Now, this wait, story. Wait, 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 Mary. I, I would first like us to do something Oh, here. let's do that. As the kids come up here, uh, I'd like us to pray for the message. Uh, and also for our kids here. Let's just bless them. And so adults, would you uh, just pray with me? And if you want to extend your hand towards, look at the, oh, man, we, uh, we didn't quite design this. Uh, we, we, there was more kids than we expected, I think. Um, but let's pray for our kids, all right? And then pray for this message. If you want to extend your hand this way, you can. Father, we thank you for every one of these precious children who are so precious in your sight. You've made them all unique You've uniquely gifted them. You have a unique calling on each of their lives. They are precious in your sight, and they are precious in our sight. And we just pray blessing on them, Mm. blessing on their families. We pray, Lord God, that you would be working in their heart, even here at this young age, to sow seeds of the kingdom that will bear fruit throughout their life, Lord God. Let your love, let your joy, let your peace be on them and on their families in Jesus' name. And Lord, now as Mary reads this story, and as I'm going to do a little reflection, Holy Spirit, would you just hover here and take these words and, and uh, infuse them with your authority. And Lord, find a resting place in each of these children's hearts and minds, and then in each of us adults' hearts and minds, to really, Lord, become more kingdom in our thinking and our living as a result of this. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said. Amen. I'm going to read you a story. It's called The Crippled Lamb. Now, while I read it, I'm going to try to hold up the book so you can all see it. But if you can't see it, the pictures are also going to be up on the screens. Okay? Let's read. It's called The Crippled Lamb. 
Once upon a time, in a sunny valley, there lived a little lamb named Joshua. He had white and black spots, black feet, and sad eyes. Joshua felt sad because he was so different from the other lambs who were white and no spots. He also felt sad because they all had moms and dads, and he didn't have a mom and dad. But he felt the saddest when he saw the other lambs jumping and running because he couldn't. Joshua had born been born with one leg that didn't work right. He was crippled. He always limped around when he walked. That's why he was always watched the other lambs run and play. Joshua felt sad and all alone, except when Abigail was around. Abigail was Joshua's best friend. She didn't look like the friends for a lamb because she was a big old cow. She was brown with white blotches that looked like rain puddles and her belly was round, and her voice was always kind and friendly. Some of Joshua's favorite hours were spent with his friend, Abigail. They loved to pretend that they were on adventures in distant lands. Joshua liked to listen to Abigail tell stories. They would spend hours up on the hill looking in the valley. They were such good friends. But even with Abigail as a friend, he was still very sad. It made him sad that he was the only lamb that could not run and play in the grass. When Abigail would turn to him and say, Don't be sad, little Joshua. God has a special place for those, people who for those who feel left out. Joshua wanted to believe her, but it was hard. Some days he just felt so alone. He felt really alone the day the shepherds decided to take the lambs to the next valley to get some new grass. The sheep had been in the valley so long that the ground was all bare. All the sheep were so excited, and the shepherd told them they were going to the new meadow for new grass. As they prepared to leave, Joshua hobbled over and took his place on the edge of the group of lambs. You're too slow. You can't come with us, said the other lambs. Don't come. You're slowpoke. You can't go. Go back, Joshua. We don't want you along with us, said the other lambs. Then Joshua looked up at the shepherd standing in front of him. Sorry, Joshua, you can't come. You're too slow. You go back to the stable. Joshua looked up at the man for a long time. Then he turned slowly, and he limped away back to the stable. When Joshua got to the top of the hill, he looked down, and he saw all the other sheep headed for the green grass. Never before had he felt so alone. A big tear came out of his eye. It rolled down his nose, and it fell on a rock. Just then he heard Abigail slowly come up behind him. Don't be sad, little Joshua. God has a special place for those who feel left out. Slowly the two friends turned and walked to the stable together. By the time they got to the little barn, the sun was setting like a big orange ball. Joshua and Abigail went inside and began to eat some of the hay out of the feed box. They were so hungry, and the hay tasted very good. For a while, Joshua forgot that he'd been left behind. Go to sleep, little friend, Abigail said. You've had a very hard day. Joshua was very tired, so he laid down in the corner on some hay and closed his eyes. He felt Abigail lay down beside him, and he was very glad Abigail was his friend. Soon Josh was asleep. At first he slept soundly, curled up next to Abigail. He dreamed that he was running and jumping all over the place. He dreamed that he went on long walks through the valley. He dreamed of being in a place where he was never, ever left out, and he wasn't crippled. Suddenly, there was a strange noise that woke him up in the stable. Abigail, he whispered, wake up, I'm scared. 
Abigail lifted her big head and looked around. The stable was dark except for a little, la uh, for a little lamp hanging there. Somebody's in here, said Joshua. They looked across the lit, dimly lit stable. There lying on some hay was a baby. A young woman was resting beside her next to the feed box. Joshua looked at Abigail, thinking his friend could tell him what was going on, but Abigail was as surprised as Joshua. Joshua looked again at the woman and the child, then limped across the stable. He stopped next to the mother and looked in the baby's face. The baby was crying. The baby was so cold. The woman picked up the baby and put him in the hay next to her. Joshua looked at the stable for something to keep that baby warm. Usually there were blankets, but not tonight. The shepherd must have taken them all on their trip. Then Joshua remembered his own soft, warm wool. Timidly, he walked over, curled up close to the baby. Thank you, little lamb, said the mother. Soon the baby stopped crying and went to sleep. About that time, a man came in. I'm sorry, Mary. I could only find this old rag. It's okay, Joseph, she said. The little lamb has kept the new king warm. <gasps> a king, Joshua thought. That's right. His name is Jesus, Mary said, as if to answer Joshua's question. God's son. He came from heaven to teach us about God. Just then there was a great noise at the door. It was the shepherds, the one who had left Joshua behind. Their eyes were wide with excitement. We saw a really, really bright light, and we heard the angels, they said. Then they saw Joshua next to the baby. Joshua, do you know who that is? He knows, said the young mother who was speaking. She looked at Joshua and smiled. God heard your prayers, little lamb. Your prayers were answered. Joshua looked down at the baby. Somehow he knew that this was a very special child, and this was a special moment. He also understood that God had used his crippled leg to take care of a king, to take care of the baby. Since he was different and he was in the stable, he could be used to help take care of Jesus. He turned and walked back to Abigail and took his place. You're right, he told her. God does have a special place for me. The end. Now, there are bags down here for each of you to get to do some activities. So make sure you get a bag as you go back to your places where you're sitting. Merry Christmas. Hey, how are you doing? Hey, you doing good. You want to preach? Do you want to preach? No. People are listening. You can preach if you want. No. You don't want to preach? No. Come on, preach for no. me. <laughs> All right, bye, Sierra. All right, well, since Sierra didn't want to preach, I, I guess I have to. So that's, Sierra's a little daughter of a couple in our, my small group, so I know her very well. I didn't just grab a stranger kid and terrorize him. <laughs> Wouldn't do that. <laughs> Well, we never want to go back to church. The crippled lamb story is a story about a lamb who didn't fit in. We call them misfits because they just don't fit in to the ordinary stream of things. This lamb couldn't do what ordinary lambs could do. I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about a different group of so-called misfits. Uh, these misfits aren't lambs, they're toys. It comes from what was, what has been, what still is, to be honest with you, one of my favorite Christmas uh, movies of all time, 
Uh, it's a clay animation movie, and when you watch this, you'll see how far clay animation or animation in general has come in the last 40 years. This was created in 1962 or so. It's, it's Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. And we're going to see a little clip of this delightful show. And this has to do with the Island of Unwanted Toys. Let's show the, the clip. Land ho! No kidding. Where are we? Up there. Halt! Who goes there? Us, of course. Who'd you think? Oh, well, then that's okay. Okay? Who, may I ask, are you? We're Rudolph and Hermie and Yukon Cornelius, sir. Who are you? I'm the official sentry of the Island of Misfit Toys. A jack-in-the-box for a sentry? Yes, my name is... Don't tell me. Jack. No, Charlie. That's why I'm a misfit toy. My name is all wrong. No child wants to play with a Charlie in the box, so I had to come here. Where's here? For millions of girls and for millions of boys When Christmas Day is here The most wonderful day of the year A jack-in-the-box waits for children to shout Wake up! Don't you know it's time to come out? When Christmas Day is here The most wonderful day of the year Toys go For Jimmy, a dolly for Sue, the kind that will even say, How do you do? When Christmas Day is here, the most wonderful day of the year. How would you like to be a spotted elephant? Or a choo choo with square wheels on your caboose? Or a water pistol and shoot jelly? We're all misfits. How would you like to be a bird that doesn't fly? I swim. Or a cowboy who rides an ostrich. Or a boat that can't stay afloat. We're all misfits. If we're on the island of unwanted toys, we'll miss all the fun with the girls and the boys. When Christmas Day is here, the most wonderful, 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 Great show. <laughs> I just love it. <sighs> Island of Unwanted Toys. These four toys, something had gone wrong. They were defective in some way. 
missing buttons, having spots in the wrong na- places, having names they're not supposed to have, having square re- wheels rather than round wheels. And so they're the kind of toys that just get discarded, they get thrown away on Christmas. Who wants to play with, with toys like that? This is why the Island of Unwanted Toys and Rudolph had so much in common. Rudolph actually felt like he fit on that island of unwanted toys. Because, see, Rudolph, Rudolph was a red-nosed reindeer. But he had his very shiny nose. If you ever saw it, you'd even say it glows. <laughs> All the other reindeers used to laugh and call him names, and they never let poor Rudolph play in their stupid reindeer games. So Rudolph was a reject of the reindeer games, and so that's why he was wandering around, running away, and finally came to this island of unwanted toys. Do you ever feel, kids, adults, do you ever feel like a Rudolph? Or do you ever feel like an unwanted toy? Do you ever feel like a Charlie in the box? Ever feel like a train, and you just have these square wheels? Ever feel like an elephant that has got dots. Ever feel like you're just on the outside of, of, of what's going on? Uh, when I was growing up, I, I usually felt like that. I uh, just felt like I was a misfit. Still do a lot, actually. I stuttered terribly. I just had a terrible stuttering problem. I had to have 12 years of speech therapy uh, to learn how to talk slow enough so I could talk. Because everything, I had to get a log jam in my tongue as paragraphs tried to come out at one time. So I could never really participate in discussions very well. And uh, kids and teachers all saw me as stupid, so I came to believe that I was stupid. And, and I was always in the lowest level classes, the remedial classes, and things of that sort. I, I wasn't one of the popular kids, uh, except for the crowd that was always in trouble because I was good at being in trouble. But teachers didn't tend to like me very much, and other kids didn't tend to like me very much. So I felt like an unwanted toy. I felt like a Rudolph. I just couldn't fit in. I never fit in with the kids' reindeer games. Kids have a lot of reindeer games, so do adults. Uh, With kids, there's this game, the game of who looks the prettiest or who looks the most handsome. Uh, There's the game of who's the most popular. There's the game of who's the smartest. There's the game sometimes of whose parents have the most stuff. Uh, There's the game of who's the most successful and who can sing the best and who's the most athletic, who can run the farthest and the fastest and, uh, you know, who can throw the ball the, the, the farthest or whatever. All sorts of games. And there are dashers and dancers in those games, the winners, the stars, but there's also the Rudolphs who never win in those games and sometimes they're not even invited to be part of those games. They're the the crippled lambs who just can't go along with the crowd. They're too slow. Uh, Where you have those games, you have people who, you know, invariably you get jealous. You feel, you know, if if you're a Rudolph, you look at the stars, the dashers and the dancers, and it makes you you angry on the inside. I remember when I was a kid, when I was a kid, one of my fantasies was was, uh, being Elvis Presley. Uh, you know, you, this was the era of the Elvis Presley movies, about three a year came out, and they're all <laughs> trashy, but uh, uh, as a kid, I'd watch these Elvis Presley, you know, sh- shows, and Elvis would just, you know, pick up a guitar on the beach, and he'd start singing, and kind of, you know, just kind of get a snarl, you know, and, and the girls, all the girls would just kind of like follow him, and, and I wanted to be Elvis Presley. I wanted to play the singing game, the get the girls game. That's a, a fifth grade uh, favorite of boys. And uh, the trouble is I couldn't sing very well. I just didn't have that good of a voice. 
There's one kid who did, Mark Kovac. And uh, this guy, he, at a concert one time, he sang this song that was so beautiful. And all the girls are just going caca over, over Mark Kovac. And I'm like, no, I want that. Of course, I didn't say this. I acted like I was too cool for the whole thing. But that's the attention I want. Uh, and, and see, if you're a loser in the reindeer games, uh, you, you, you get angry. It, 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 it brings about jealousy. Well, we really never outgrow those very much, do we? Adults have got their own brand of reindeer games. Uh, yeah, they change a little bit, but in essence, they don't change very much. Uh, you got the game of, of uh, who's the most successful. You got the game of who, who has the most money. You got the game of who's acquired the most possessions. Who's got the biggest house? Who's got the nicest car? Who wears the fanciest clothes? You got the game of who looks the prettiest or who looks the youngest. You got the game of, of who's you know, got, got the best reputation or who's got the most talent or, or whatever. Now, we adults, we never acknowledge that we are playing these games. In fact, we usually don't acknowledge them to ourselves. But we're indoctrinated in these games. On some level, there's often a sense of jealousy when someone else is succeeding at something that you want to be good at. There are those people who, whatever they touch just turns to gold. They're so successful. They get renowned. And, and we're just sort of average. We just never quite amount to all that much. And there can be in our hearts a sort of jealousy. Uh, there's, there's even the religious game. Who's the most religious? Religious people play this one. Uh, who, who's got all the right beliefs and who's got all the right behaviors. And pastors play a game sometimes. Who's got the biggest church and who's the best preacher and who's got the best programs. And we never, of course, acknowledge this, even to ourselves. But check your emotions. Is it hard to sometimes enter into celebrating someone else's success? We're playing these games. And wherever you play these games, you will have dashers and dancers who are good at them. And you will have Rudolphs who aren't good at them and maybe in the end never even get invited. In a world of black noses, yours is a shiny red. In a world of fast trains, do you ever feel like you've got square wheels? In a world of solid colored elephants, have you got really odd spots all over your body? In a world that values riches, are you kind of poor? In a world that celebrates being pretty, are you or do you consider yourself to be average? In a world that values the talented, are you just pretty ordinary like the rest of us? In a world that puts high value on possessions, do you find that you've got very little? In a, view that, in a world that values success, do you find that you're maybe right now unemployed and everything you've ever tried seems to fall apart? In a religious world that values religious religion and religious things, do you find that you can't get out of the truth that you're a sinner? And so you just don't feel invited in on that game. Do you feel like a misfit? Most of us, at some time, do. See, Christmas speaks directly to this. In fact, I submit to you that this is what Christmas is all about. Because Jesus is the quintessential, the supreme par excellence misfit. His parents were misfits. Mary gets pregnant before she gets married. That's a no-no in the ancient world, and you never outlive the stigma of that. And it's true that it wasn't her own fault. I mean, this was a miracle of God, but no one's going to believe her on that. Mary is a permanent misfit, and Joseph would be a permanent misfit in first century culture for marrying her. These are misfits. 
How many people do you know give birth to their babies in barns? Uh, These folks are just misfits. They're they're not invited in on the reindeer game of first century life. And they give birth to a child who is by all normal reindeer standards a misfit. Jesus doesn't play the game of first century Judaism very well. He just doesn't fit in. In John chapter 8, we're told the Pharisees once were chiding Jesus because they said, Jesus, at least we know who our dad is. Showing that he had a reputation of being a kid who was born out of wedlock and he really didn't know who his father was. He would have been tagged as a misfit in the ancient world. But the people he hung out with, he hung out with misfits. The people who just didn't win in the reindeer games of the first century. The people he attracted were the prostitutes. The people he attracted were the tax collectors. He touched lepers. He broke a rule touching lepers. He crossed racial lines. That was a big no-no in the Jewish reindeer game of the first century. He, 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 he spoke of highly uh, uh, Samaritan people. He had conversations with Samaritan women, even of women of, of ill repute. That's why in a world that valued your reputation as part of the reindeer game of the first century, Jesus was a Rudolph. His reputation was that he was a drunkard, that he was a womanizer, that he was one of the lowlifes. Christmas is all about the misfits. In fact, Jesus, Jesus teaches, and this brings us to the passage we read this morning. Jesus teaches us that the misfits of the world are blessed. Blessed are the poor. In a reindeer game that values riches, blessed are the poor. In the reindeer game that values being exalted and having a superb reputation, blessed are the lowly. In a reindeer game that uh, values being accepted, being on the inside, the people who are in on the know, on the inside of privilege, blessed are the rejected. In the reindeer game that values getting happy because of the way you can acquire things, blessed are those who aren't good at that game. That's what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are those who aren't good at at, uh, those kind of reindeer games. Why? Why would he say, blessed are the poor? And I think this takes us to the heart of the gospel and the heart of what, therefore, the Christmas season is all about. The reason you're blessed if you're not good at those reindeer games is that those reindeer games aren't good. There's something evil about those reindeer games. They maybe look innocuous, and they're so, we're so used to them, we don't even notice when we ourselves are playing them. But really, these reindeer games are structured on sin, a sin that the Bible calls idolatry. Ask the question, why do children and why do adults play these reindeer games? The game of who has the most, who looks the prettiest, you know, who, who acquires the most things, who's the most religious. Why do we play these games? And the answer, if you're honest with yourself and you're introspective at all, is that we play these games because we're trying to win something. We're trying to win approval. We're trying to win success, at least in our own mind. We're trying to win a sense of happiness. We're trying to win a sense of being powerful. We're trying to win a sense that we're fully alive. We're trying to win accolades from others. We want to, as we say, get life. We want to feel like our life is worth something. We're trying to get security. So we play these reindeer games. We play them when we're young and we play them when we're old. We're socialized into these reindeer games. They're on the inside of our head. That's why we always spend more than we can afford. We're conditioned, we're indoctrinated, we're brainwashed to play the stupid American reindeer game of of acquiring more things than we need. But we're doing it because it makes us feel secure or makes us feel success or makes us feel on the inside and makes us feel like we're alive. But see, these reindeer games are not good games. They're bad games. 
Even if you're a dasher and a prancer and you win in the reindeer game, you really don't win anything at all. Yes, you feel momentarily like you're, like you're on the pinnacle of life. You have a momentary sense of satisfaction and fullness, but it never, ever lasts. It never really satisfies. And so when the time the next game comes along, which is the next day, you've got to try to win it again and again and again. And even when you're holding on to it, you've got to worry that someone's going to take it from you or that someone's going to lose it or that someone else will be a, 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 a winner in, in the next game. It never really satisfies. But on top of that, in the reindeer game of life where everyone is scrambling to try to get their fair share of the pie and trying to get a little bit of worth and a little bit of value, there are more losers than winners. Even the winners are losers, but there's, 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 there's more losers than there are winners. And that's why the, this reindeer game of life always creates jealousy like I had towards Mark Kovac. It creates jealousy. It creates animosity. It creates bitterness. It creates hatred. It creates conflict. It creates violence. It creates wars. In the end, all the evil in, in human society is the result of reindeer games that we are playing. And Jesus says, blessed are those who lose in that game, but who don't get bitter about it, who don't live in jealousy or anger or animosity. Because when you opt out of the reindeer game, see, if you're, if you're angry and full of animosity, you're still playing the game. You're just not very good at it. But Jesus says, blessed are those who opt out of the game, who have lost so thoroughly that they don't even try to play it anymore. Blessed are you. Why are you blessed? Because now you're in a position to be free. To be free of the reindeer game is to be truly free. To live outside the reindeer game is to be fully alive. When you opt out of the reindeer games of life, you are in a position to find out what life is really about. That's why Jesus said, if you die to life, life as this world defines it, which is always about a reindeer game, if you die, if you lose your life, then you will find it. Because when you quit the reindeer games, really quit, not just tell yourself you quit, but you really, you really let it go, you really die to it, you're open to finding out the life as God intended it to, 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 to be lived. And life as God intended it to be lived is this. Everything you're trying to get by those silly reindeer games, all the worth, all the significance, all the value, all the love, all, all, all the sense of life, all of that, God wants to give you for free. Absolutely for free. This is why Jesus came into the world. He, wants, he, he wanted to reestablish a relationship between God and humanity, which was such, it was what God intended it to be, where all of our sense of worth and value in our own life, our sense of, of well-being comes from God alone. Knowing that we are loved unconditionally, knowing that Jesus Christ has paid the price, knowing that we are loved in the beloved, we, we are freed from the need to try to be scrambling up a morsel of worth by how pretty we are or how successful we are, we are or what we own or how religious we are. Everything we need, we've gotten for free because God's given it to, to us for free in the person of Jesus Christ. Blessed are those who have lost in the reindeer games of life and are now open to doing life in a radically, radically different way. It's the way that Jesus calls the kingdom of God. And only in this way of life do you find the joy and the love and the security and the worth and the peace that your heart was always meant to experience it experience. You're getting it for free. When I realize that I'm loved by God with an everlasting love that couldn't be improved upon, 
that is unconditional, that is unsurpassable, when I really realize that, when the soul, as we said last night, has felt its worth, knowing what, what God, the price that God paid for me, when my soul feels that worth, I no longer got to play the game of who talks the best. If I stutter, that's okay. If I can't quite put my sentences together coherently, eh, who cares? Whatever worth you get from being a good talker, it's nothing compared to the worth I got, whether I can talk or not. Because I got it from my God, my Creator, my Savior, for free. Knowing that all my worth and value and security and significance comes from the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the Christ child born in Bethlehem, knowing that and experiencing that, I don't need to be the best drummer in the world. I don't need to be the smartest person in the world. I don't need to be smart at all. I don't need to be the best pastor in the world. I don't need to grow the biggest church. I don't need to be the most religious. I don't need to have the best track record. I don't need nothing. Why? Because I got it all already for free. When you discover the infinite worth you have because of the infinite price God was willing to pay for you by becoming a human being and dying on Calvary, when you really got that, there ain't nothing that any reindeer game can offer you that you don't already have. Now, of course, you still do your best in life and you still hold your jobs and there's nothing wrong with being good at making your money and good at other kinds of stuff. Fine. But you don't do it as a way of trying to get life. You don't do it as trying to win society's stupid, mindless, empty reindeer games. You do it rather to express the infinite worth and value you already have in and of yourself. When you get life from God and you quit the reindeer games, now you're able to have a life where... Uh, what you've got, no one can give you, and what you've got, no one can take away from you because it's based in the character of God. He gives you infinite worth and value. That is life, and that is freedom. Now you're free. You're free to enjoy other people's success and stuff and, because your failures don't mean anything to you, not in terms of your essential worth. And when you get that your life, that your worth, that your value, your security is a settled matter, now and only now, are you able to live life the way God wants us to live life? And that is not competing with people to get things, but rather living in outrageous love. To ascribe to all people at all times, in all situations, no ifs, ands, and buts. To ascribe unsurpassable worth to them. That's love. That's love. As long as you're in competition with people for anything, you can't love them unconditionally. They're in some sense always your opponent. Only when all that your heart needs is gotten for free by a relationship with Christ, only then are you free to love people unconditionally. And let me say one other thing. Only when you've opted out of the reindeer game and you've accepted the fact that you're a Rudolph or a train with square uh, wheels or an elephant with spots, only when you've accepted that and you're okay with that and you let God just love you and you commit to loving people like God has loved you, only then can God take you in all of your uniqueness including that shiny nose, and use you to further his kingdom. In fact, he can use you in a unique way that he couldn't use anyone else. And so the crippled lamb, precisely because he wasn't part of the crowd, of uh, the herd of lambs, and he stayed back in the manger, God could use him to keep the Christ child warm. What a wonderful, honorable, dignified role he played, precisely because... He had legs that didn't quite work right by normal lamb standards. It was because Rudolph had that shiny nose that Santa Claus could use him in a special vocation. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? 
You know, your, your, what society may regard as your default, your, your problem, your shady past, your, 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 the area that sets you on the outside, God looks at that, and if you will surrender it to him and just let yourself be loved and commit to loving others, that becomes a unique qualification for ministry. I, I've got to believe that that Charlie in a box, I bet God, I bet you, I bet God used that Charlie in a box uh, I bet that Charlie in a box became the, speci- the best friend for some mentally challenged boy named Charlie. I just bet you. I bet you that that train that had square wheels became the favorite toy of a little child whose legs didn't work right. I wonder if that boat that couldn't float became the favorite toy of some kid who got laughed at in gym class because he was afraid of the water and, 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 and couldn't swim. I wonder if the elephant with spots became the best friend and favorite toy of some young child with a skin disease. What's your red nose? What's your red nose? What's your square wheel? What are your spots? It may be something you've done in the past. It may be some character trait in the present. Maybe something you're struggling with. It may be that you're just not good at the reindeer games of, of society. It doesn't matter. What I want to tell you here is this. Just let yourself, let yourself give up on the reindeer game. Stop feeling bad about that. Accept that God loves you perfectly as you are right now. Commit to loving people perfectly as God has loved you and watch how God will use you. Even our failures become massive qualifications for ministry when they're surrendered to the beautiful Savior. And only when we do that, only when we opt out of the reindeer games of life, I quit, I'm just not going to do that anymore, and we, all of our worth is settled in Christ, only then do you experience true joy. Winning at a reindeer game, getting that promotion, getting the big house, that can bring happiness. It doesn't bring joy. Only Christ can bring joy, because only Christ can meet the innermost needs of the human heart, which is why we sing, and I call the the band up again, why we sing, and this is what this season's all about, joy to the world. We don't sing happiness to the world, because we couldn't sing happiness to the world. We could sing happiness to the winners of the reindeer games, (laughs) but that happiness is shallow. Christ brings joy to the world. Christ brings hope to every human heart. When you understand who God is in the person of Jesus Christ, and you understand who you are because of who God is in the person of Jesus Christ, and you're free to give up on the reindeer games, now you can know what joy is. So I want to end this uh, Christmas service by proclaiming as a carol. As we said last night, a carol is your song. It means a song of you. It's one that comes out of your heart. Let's rejoice and proclaim the joy that Christ brings into the world, this world. Could we stand and close with joy to the world?